Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your Bible, your word. That is uh, all that we need. It's more important than our breath. It's more important than our health. It's more important than our homes. It is more important than our families. God, your word is everything to us. And so, God, I pray that we would hear the one thing that you would have uh, to say to us this morning. Uh, And I know that what that is, is that you love us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so we're in 1 John chapter 4, and we're going to start in verse 7. It says, 1 John chapter 4, verse 7, Beloved. That's it. That's all we need to read right now. That is all we need to read. God calls you his beloved. Everyone say, beloved. Yeah, what does that make you think of? Ah, it makes me think of the princess bride. Dearly beloved, right? Remember that part? You haven't watched that movie? Where do you even get your theology from? Just kidding. It's a great movie. It's a, I highly recommend it. But remember, he's like, dearly beloved. Well, we hardly ever use the word beloved anymore. But beloved is the word that God chooses to call you. Now, if I was God, I would call us dirty, rotten rat, or failure, or mess up, screw up, uh, what other, uh, just, you can come up with all kinds, worthless, right? Any other name, that's, that's how I see myself most of the time, and all of humanity. In fact, we were driving here, and there was a bumper sticker that said, 2020, any functioning adult, like for the presidency, okay? Just basically saying that nothing is really going right with people these days, okay? But God, in his infinite wisdom, chooses to love us. And I don't think that's very smart, because I don't think we are that lovable, we're always bombing each other. We're always talking evil about each other. We are just a big mess all, most of the time, right? But God calls us his beloved. He made a choice before you did anything right, before you did anything wrong, God made a choice to choose you as the object of his love. And you do not deserve that. You'll never do enough to earn it. You don't deserve it. But yet God doesn't go back on his choices. He just simply, passionately loves you. You are his beloved. And that is called our identity. Now, what does the world give you as an identity? Well, we, none of us are as cool as we'd like to be. None of us are as rich as we'd like to be. None of us are as comfortable as we'd like to be or as as, uh, looking good as we'd like to. Because the world looks to all these things to to just slap an identity on you. And in fact, we we take that system, we we implement it ourselves. That is my identity. I'm the cool guy. I'm the lumberjack. I'm the... Sorry, Isaac. I'm the... uh, (laughs) I'm the... The IT nerd. I, and we, we just have a thing that becomes our identity. And our identity 
uh, shouldn't be something that's on the outside because God doesn't look at the outside. Where does God look? On the inside, at your dirty, rotten heart, and he says, I just love you. You are my beloved. That is your identity. All right? That is the basic message that we're going to talk about today. So let's read the the rest of this. Let's read verses 7 and 8. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone who loves is, here's two things, born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. So, beloved is your identity. That's who you are. And he says here that if you understand that God loves you, no, 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 nay, if you would just believe that God loves you. You don't have to understand. You can really think, I am an idiot. I don't understand why God loves me. But if you would just believe it, He says a couple things happen. Number one, you are born of God. And number two, you will be growing in knowing God. You will the the knowledge of God will just be birthed inside you. You will be knowing God. And what that means is that you can't fake knowing God. If you know God, you're going to love others because you are experiencing his love yourself. He is loving you. He's like, I care about you. And so that will just leak out onto others. I have six teenage boys. Hi, guys. Sometimes they do not put on their deodorant. I'm not naming names, just saying. And the, the aroma of their boyness enters my nostrils. <laughs> they didn't have to do it. They didn't have to think, I'm going to smell. It just becomes, it just, it is part of them. And it offends my nostrils. <laughs> anyway, that's what being born of God is kind of like. When you are born of God, you will love others. And if you really think in your heart, I don't love anybody, then you're not born of God. You're not saved. You don't have that relationship with God yet because that is the fruit that happens. It's the smell that comes off us when you are born of God, which happens when you believe in his love for you, that he loves you. So the question is, do you believe God loves you? We hear all the time, Jesus loves me. In fact, kids, let's sing a song. Ready? You, everyone, let's sing a song. Jesus loves me. You know the song? I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so, but do I really believe it? (laughs) Do we? Do we really believe it? Well, let's look at the next couple verses, verses 9 and 10, which show us the demonstration of God's love. So we just saw the source of God's love, okay? Uh, Knowing him uh, and uh, being born of him. Now let's look at this. 
In this, the love of God was manifested or revealed toward us, that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Okay, so there we see two things that God did to demonstrate his love, to show us that he's love. I ask you, do you believe God loves you? Well, if you are on the fence or if you're just like, want to know, he shows it, he reveals it in two ways. Number one way is that he gives us life. He wanted people to live, so he gave Jesus to be our life. That reminds me of John 10.10. 10. Does anyone have John 10.10 10 memorized? Wow, 32 Jesus points for you. That would have been like 50, but you didn't have the whole thing. It just says, I have come that they may have life and that more abundantly. Abundant life. That's what Jesus said. He came to be a giant bummer and make you go to church all the time. That's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, I have come to give life, a real, abundant, meaningful life. Life. Get a life. And, and this life that Jesus gives is not by religion. You do not get more of Jesus' life by being more religious. You only get it by relationship with him. By faith. Believing that he loves you. He offers you this life. It's a new life. It's an undeserved life. What kind of life? It's his life. The life that he lived 2,000 years ago. Do you ever just wonder, like, man, it would have been so cool to see Jesus walking around, healing people, talking to people, loving on people. Like, I wish they would make a movie or a miniseries about it. <laughs> that's right. It's a really good one out. But nonetheless, no, uh, uh, yeah, I think that sometimes. But Jesus went away, and he said it would be better if he just filled you guys all up with his life, and then everywhere you go, you are him. The way he talked, you'll talk. The way he loved, you'll love. That's the plan. It's a very simple plan. Bringing his kingdom to earth through the Holy Spirit living in you. So when we say get a life, it's biblical. Jesus says, I'm offering you a new life. That's what it said. Um, he who does not, oh, sorry, where was it? In this, the love of God was manifest, that uh, God sent his only son into the world that he, we might live through him. And then the second thing, and this will be like it. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiations for a propitiation for our sins. Okay. The biggest thing that we need to understand about God's love is that it's not dependent on how much you love him. Have you ever been felt guilty about not loving God enough? We hear, let me let you off the hook. You don't love God enough. You don't love God. If I ask you, do you love God? You might say, well, 
I, I do a lot of nice things and good things because I really care about what's right. And Yeah, but do you love God the way he deserves to be loved? And every single person should say, no, because we don't. But that's not what the gospel is dependent on. It doesn't matter how much you love God because God loves you first. And he shows his love, number one, by offering you a new life, an abundant life. But that's not the greatest part. The greatest part is that Jesus gave his life as a propitiation for our sins. Now, propitiation. Kids, everyone say propitiation. Now, don't you see, feel like really religious and big? She should be wearing like big pointy hats or something like that. Because nobody understands what that word means. What does that word even mean? Propitiation means to satisfy the wrath of someone who's really angry. Now, what does that mean? To satisfy the wrath of God. Okay, here's what it means. God and us have a problem. We sinned and God hates sin because sin hurts innocent people. And we have chosen to be sinners. So we have made ourselves enemies of God. And God hates sin so much that he... Okay, let me, let me try to illustrate. Let's say you had a child, a wonderful child, that you love with all your heart, and some goofball comes along and hurts that child on purpose. As a parent, the, the anger and the wrath that you feel in that moment... In fact, if the justice system had different rules and they said, the rule is that you as a parent get to just wail on the booger until you are satisfied. Imagine what you would do. I'm not going to even illustrate because it would be probably violent. It would be, oh, it would be rough because you don't want to just make it even. They hurt your innocent child. You want to go above and beyond until you're satisfied, until you're done pouring out your wrath on the guiltiness of the sin sinner. Okay? So God is that loving parent. All of us are his children, but, but the sin that we have done deserves wrath. We deserve God to beat us up to punish us, to inflict his wrath on us, to pour out his wrath on us. That's what we deserve. And before you say, well, a God of love would never do that. And if God is, you're talking about God's love and you're talking about him pouring out wrath, this doesn't make sense. Is he angry or nice? Which one is he? And the answer is both. He must be both. Because if he just said, oh, you can hurt my children and I'm just going to sit here and do nothing. How does that look? No, it's not going to fly because that's not real love. For there to be love, he has to punish what is not love, the opposite of love. He has to go to war with it. And this is what is so amazing about the gospel of Jesus Christ because God is allowed to be the God who judges sin, but he's also allowed to be the God of love who says, I love you so much that I am going to step down and be the object of my own wrath. I'm going to punish my son or myself, you could say, because Jesus and God are one. 
So Jesus steps up onto the cross and God, during the three hours when it was dark, when Jesus was nailed to the cross, God the Father, invisibly, spiritually, was pouring out wrath upon Jesus, punishing Jesus. And that act of God punishing him and pouring out his wrath upon him is called propitiation. You see why they had to invent a big word because that's a really big concept. It's a big idea. So that is what shows and proves to us that God loves us. He, Jesus, became the propitiation for our sins. Now the big thing we need to learn about this is if God punished Jesus and poured out all of his anger on Jesus, is God going to be angry with you when you mess up? No. He can't. He cannot be angry with you if your faith is in Jesus when you mess up. He can't because he already got mad at Jesus for you. He has no more anger left. It was all poured out. And that is an amazing thing to praise God for because I mess up all the time. And I don't have to now worry and fear and freak out that God is mad at me because he's not. But the only way this works is if my hope is in Jesus Christ alone. My faith is in Jesus Christ. If I believe that God loves me and gave his son to be punished for me on the cross, if I believe that in my heart for real, God will never be upset with me again. We have all the freedom that we could ever imagine. We are free. And that doesn't mean that we just go out and sin more. Yippee, I'm going to be forgiven, right? Never. That This, if you believe it, it changes your heart to say, I want to get as far away from anything that dishonors God as I can. I want to live holy and righteously for God. And I can't do it all the I, I can't do it right. I can't do it all the time. But I'm going to ask God to help me. I'm going to live for him. God has put that in my heart. I want to live for Jesus. Okay, we're going to skip down to verse 19. And we're going to close with this. We love him. Because he first loved us. Amen? We love him because he first loved us. You can respond to God's love in a couple ways right now. You can choose, I am going to continue to love myself and live for myself and just cheaply accept God's love for me. Or you can say, I'm going to live my life responding to his love by loving him. I'm going to surrender my selfish ways to follow him because of his love. So in other words, you today are either going to accept his love and let it transform you, or you're going to reject it and keep living for yourself. That's how this is going to go. It's amazing. Jesus makes everything 
perfectly divided. You are for me or against me. You're going to follow me or reject me. And this is not about your sins because like we said, your sins have been paid for. There's nothing to worry about there. So you don't have to say, well, God wouldn't accept me because of all the bad things I did. And this is not about um, your fear that God would somehow reject you or uh, let you down because he's already proven how much he loves you. So literally the only reason why you're going to choose not to follow Jesus today is because you'd rather follow yourself. And following self leads to hell, whereas following Jesus leads to salvation. It's that simple. So that's our message for today. That's our time in the Word today. We're going to sing a couple more songs where we get a chance to throw back love onto Jesus. As we sing and as we raise our hands and as we lead our children in in worship and and worship in Jesus, we get a chance to follow him and to uh, love him because he has first loved us. Would you guys all stand with me as we pray? Father, you loved me when I was your enemy, when I wanted nothing to do with you, when I wanted uh, to live my own life, when I didn't even want to live life. You loved me then. You pursued me. You came after me when I was lost. And when I needed you, when I called out to you, you didn't Wait, you saved me immediately. You came to my rescue. And when every moment that I've called out to you since then, God, you have answered me faithfully. And when I have ignored you, you have patiently waited for me. And when I've been rude to you, you have forgiven me. And when I have failed, you have never brought it up to me again. You have loved me so purely. Jesus, we want you to take our lives and we want to live for your glory. We want to live for your kingdom. We want to deny ourselves, pick up our cross and unite with you and your vision for this world and your mission and your plan. Our lives are just lame compared to what you have planned. And God, we, we still are going to go to our jobs, but I pray that everything we do would be transformed by this one idea that you love us. And I pray that we would abide in that love, that we would remain, we would remember, Jesus, what you have done for us. Every morning we would pick up that cross. Every morning we would lift our eyes to the cross, see you hanging there, being punished and, and torn apart for us because you loved us. And I pray we would look you in the eyes and we would be melted, that our flesh would be destroyed, that everything that is against you would be killed and we would live this new life of abundance that you have promised us. Jesus, we need you to do all this because we can't even, we can't even promise you anything. We need you to do it all. But Jesus, our hearts are stirred this morning to, to sing your praise and to live lives that honor you and follow you. In your name we pray, amen.